0: Well, today is also a special day where you get to pull out your own Bible. Did you bring it? How many of you have a paper Bible? Go ahead, hold it up. Let's see. You're like champions. Look at them, glorious champions with those paper Bibles. The rest of you guys are loved by God. Pull out your device, and um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna read from Luke today. Um, we're gonna start in Luke chapter three, uh, verse twenty one. Uh, We have been in a, we're in a theme right now, Isaiah 61, hallelujah, Isaiah 61, we are being restored, rebuilt, repaired, raised up, and uh, today I'm going to talk to you about as we're joining Jesus in his ministry to restore the ruins, to restore the, the cities, to restore the desolations of generations. Well the first desolation of generations is right here, it's inside of us. In order for us to become those that would raise up cities, we ourselves first have to be raised up. And so we're spending this part of Isaiah 61 inviting Holy Spirit, and we're being invited by Holy Spirit to allow God to raise us up, to restore us, so that we can then become mothers and fathers, oaks of righteousness to restore cities. Amen? So that we can say, not only do I work in the kingdom, but I am also a client. Right? Remember the hair guy, right? Not only am I the president of this company, but I'm also <laughs> a client. My jokes are just not funny today. All right. You're laughing at that one. Thank you. That's awesome. It's early yet. It is early yet. It is early yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, share this quote with you again um, because it's just so encouraging. And as we're going through today's message, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna create a safe place for you. Um, And so I love this. Let me just read this quote to you again. The gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Great news. Yet you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope because Jesus lived and died in your place. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So everything that we are seeking to become in Christ, we have become because of what he's done. Every bit of trying to prove ourselves or trying to uh, better ourselves so that we can be accepted, that is a needless exercise because Christ has already done that. You're already accepted by God. That's great news. So you can relax. You have nothing to prove. Jesus did it all. So that's where I want you to just settle into that. I want you to just rest into that reality that he who had no sin has been sin for you. So that in him, you get to become the righteousness of God. I get to become the righteousness of God. We're resting in the reality, the finished work of the cross. So what we're talking about today is part of the transformation of being renewed We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind, the scripture says. This is the place where we begin to allow the Spirit of God to raise us up. The same way that the Spirit of God raised Christ up from the dead, the Spirit of God has raised us up in Christ, but we're also being raised up. And we're talking about that in Isaiah 61, aren't we? It's like the raising up of the cities, the rebuilding of those cities. Well, today we're talking about the raising up and the rebuilding in each of us. Not that we would be accepted. We've already been accepted. Not that we would earn his love. He already loves us. But there is a restoration that has to happen. In fact, Isaiah 61, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Ed reminded me just recently, Isaiah 61 is where the Lord first called Ed to create Restoration Ministries, was out of Isaiah 61. And we have been an Isaiah 61-focused church for decades. And we will continue to do that. We will continue to be that. That's a unique place that God has called us to be. The Lord told us at one point that Christ Center is like a horseshoe that fits Junction City, doesn't it? Christ City's like a horseshoe. People will come in, and people will leave. Just make sure they left better than they came. Come on, isn't that good? We comfort ourselves when people leave with the words, "That's all right. We've had much cooler people than you reject us." <laughs> that was so self-serving. I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. Um, can we play? <laughs> Are we good? Remember, we're in the love of Christ. <laughs> but it is true part of what we're called to be as a tribe is a place where people can come in and be restored and be rebuilt and be repaired and many times after a season the lord actually calls them to go and and be restored to a different call in their life a different space in their life and so we get to carry that together that's part of who we are as a tribe we're part of a kingdom we're not the we're not the whole family of god we're one tribe in the family of god we're part of a family amen so let's, let's focus inward, uh, beginning with Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. Um, I'm going to read this. Um, uh, let's read this together. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I want to draw attention that in that moment, Jesus had not yet done anything except be born from a virgin and grow up and work with his daddy. He hadn't done any miracles. Nobody was calling him the son of God. He hadn't done a single thing to prove that he was the son of God. All that he did was be faithful in his house, study the scriptures, and work with his daddy. And then he is baptized by John. And in this moment, the Father in heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Father in heaven says, this is your identity, Jesus. You are my son and I am well pleased with you. How many of you guys know that we're called into the same mission and the same thing that Jesus was called into, save, of course, dying for the sins of the world? We do not qualify for that. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus did that. But we do join in Jesus' ministry, don't we? We know that the scripture says that Jesus was the firstborn of many. We get to be the many. And the revelation that Jesus brought, and this is, this is huge, this is so powerful. The revelation that Jesus brought is what it's like to be a child of God. This is, you guys, we don't graduate from this. This is everything. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. You're a son of God. Everybody here. And so the first revelation Jesus gets is an identity from the Lord to say, you are my son, and you are, and I am well pleased with you, and you haven't done anything for me. Did you get that? You have an identity before you did a single thing. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's continue. Um, now going to uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 1. You can read the, uh, the, uh, the genealogy on your own. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit now. What happens to us when we get saved? We become sons and daughters. And then what happens? How do we know that we're sons and daughters? Because the scripture says we are filled with the Holy Spirit in Romans. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And what first happens? Whereabout we cry out, Papa, God, Abba, Father. Are you with me? The immediate thing that happens is we receive an identity and the Holy Spirit fills us. And the first thing the Holy Spirit does is reveals you are indeed your father's child. Well, look at that. That's just what's happening to Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. I want to encourage you right now, if you've been facing a lot of temptation. How many of you have faced temptation? That's everyone. Aren't you encouraged that Jesus faced temptation? Did you catch that? That the Holy Spirit led Jesus to go and be tempted? If you've been feeling bad because you're tempted, I want you to know that you're, good in, you're in good company because the Holy Spirit leads us around in this world, and part of what we do is we actually face temptation. So you are not naughty, nor are you an orphan, because you're still facing temptation. You're experiencing what Jesus experienced, and it is part of the process for how Christ is formed in each of us, that we are actually led by the Spirit into the wilderness, as it were, and we face temptation. let's talk about that temptation. Because the same temptation that Christ faced, we also face. So let's dig down into that just a little bit here. Starting in verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. The first temptation, he says, if you really are the Son of God, if you are, prove it. The first temptation that each of us face is the temptation that I am what I do. The first temptation is that we are what we do, that we prove what we are by doing something. Now you need to remember, Jesus just received his identity because the Father said, this is who you are. Because the Father had him come and be born of a version as a person, as a human, just like us, the Son. And he said, you are my Son because I created you as my Son. Are you guys with me? And then he goes out to be tempted. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that the enemy says to him is, you're not, if you really are, you're not really the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, prove it. Prove it. Turn this stone into some bread. Work a miracle. Do something that validates that you have value. Show me what you can do. If you could do something, then maybe, maybe people will believe that you actually are who God says you are. Sound familiar? You see, this is, these are the same temptations that we face every day. And the, and, the, and the other thing, by the way, is that we've heard it, and it's so, we're so used to it, the devil himself doesn't even have to hang out all the time and bring that accusation. A lot of us are echoing it ourselves, looking at ourselves in the mirror going, you say you're a Christian. You say you're really a son of God. Look at the way you are. Prove it. Prove with your perfect record. Prove with your perfect everything that you really are a son or a daughter of God. Sound familiar? Let's go to verse five. The devil led him up to a high place and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Second temptation he says, I will give you in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Just do it my way. Worship me. Do it my way, Jesus. I'll give you everything. What is that temptation? I am what I have. I can measure my success in this life. I can measure my identity, my purpose by what I have. Look at all these good things that, that I have. Look at what I've accumulated. I have wisdom. I have, maybe I have good looks. Maybe I have business prowess. That's a common phrase, right? (laughs) Maybe acumen. I must not have business acumen because I said business prowess. But we begin to measure who we are by our possessions, by what we can own, what we can have control over. You guys, you guys, does that sound familiar? It's another scorecard that we can keep so that we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, I have value, I have worth. Look at what I have. Look at what I've built. Let's go to verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Where did he take him? He took him to the temple. He took him to the very place where he was to begin preaching the gospel of the kingdom, so the people that he was called first to preach it to. He took him to the place and said, prove to these people that you're the Son of God. Work a miracle in front of them. Show these people so that they will think you're the Son of God. Prove it to them. Temptation number three, I am what people think of me. Popularity. What you think about me is who I am. I'm having to look to others to have them tell me what I am. It's interesting, isn't it? When you think about these things, these temptations, I am what I do, which is performance. I need to keep performing, right? I got to earn it to keep it. I gotta keep performing. I gotta keep showing. I gotta prove to myself and I gotta prove to others that I am worthy of love, that I am worthy of value, that I am worthy of respect. The next one, I am what I have, possessions. I gotta show to myself and others that I'm successful in this life, that when you look at me, I can point to these things and I can say, this is my value, this is what I have. See, look at these things. They prove that I'm valuable. They prove that I'm okay. Lastly, I am what people think of me. I put on a, a facade, I put on, I put on these, these things that I've learned to do, these behaviors that I've learned to exude, so that when you see me, you go, oh yeah, that guy's, that guy's cool. I decided in uh, third grade, actually, when I first went to school, I, I transitioned from uh, from homeschool to, uh, to uh, public school, and um, and, and uh Because of the one-on-one attention, I'm sure, uh, I was well beyond all of my classmates except for one, Shelby Tierney. Golly, she was so much smarter than me, it wasn't fair. But everybody else, I was really doing great. And it turned out, I didn't know this, but when I went in and I was like trying to be super helpful, they did not appreciate that. (laughs) Did not appreciate that even a little bit. Um, So they just thought I was being a real smart aleck, which I probably was as well. I mean, just to be fair. But we would go out on the playground to play, and we'd start playing soccer, which was kind of the game of that time in third grade. We played a lot of soccer, and they would forget there was a ball, and they'd just come kick me. It was horrible. I know. You guys are laughing. It was very painful at the time. It was true, though. They, they, they flippin' hated me. And I made a decision at that time in third grade. I made a decision. You know what? These guys don't like me, and I don't like that. I don't like not being liked. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to be funny. I made the decision to be funny in third grade. And you know what? I am pretty funny. I am. You know, I pulled it off. I did good. But did you know what? That is a, that is, now some of that, you, you get to choose some of the parts of your personality, right? And I've been crafting funny since third grade. And it's a great behavior and I get to keep that. That's a treasure I'm going to keep. It was born in pain, right? It was born in pain and it, and it became part of what shaped me and I get to keep it. The things that you, the things, the decisions you made in pain that are valuable that you want to keep, you get to keep them, okay? But let me tell you something. Being funny doesn't make me a son. Being funny is a behavior that I learned that helped me to be able to relate with other people so that when they saw me, they went, that guy's valuable. See, I made a decision to become funny in third grade because I needed other people to value me. Now, it's fine if I want to be funny unless it's the way that I have value, then that's a whole different thing. Let me, let me, uh... behaving a certain way because you want to be loved is different than behaving a certain way because you are loved. I decided to become funny because I wanted these guys to love me. And I had found a way to do it so that if I did a certain thing, then I created a value. Now that was somewhat helpful in that relational environment. Kids can be mean. But it was not helpful at all for my identity. And for me to be able to rest in my true self of who Christ created me to be as a son. That was actually very, very detrimental. And created... I've now I've honed on this and worked on this, but what did I really do? What I really did was I created a, a, a false self. I created something that that I could put on much like armor, so that when I interacted with other people, I could feel safe, I could feel loved, I could feel valuable. And you know what? It served me somewhat okay. The only problem is that I have a lot more depth than just being funny. The real me, the real self, is a lot more than just funny. The real me, the real self, is the son, loved by his father. 100% completely accepted, whether I'm awake or whether I'm asleep, whether I can think of something funny. I don't have to make my dad laugh. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't have to make him laugh for him to look down at me and say, that's my son. That's my son. And in him, I am well pleased. He doesn't have to make me laugh for me to think that. I already think that. You see, Jesus is showing us how how to join Him in Isaiah 61. He's showing us how to be filled with the Spirit of God, to accept the identity that the Father has given us. And he's rebuilding us. He's restoring us. He's raising us up. But you know what he's doing? He's transforming us by renewing our minds. And part of that process of renewing our minds is that we have to let go of a whole lot of things that, 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 these, that these temptations point to because many of us right now today in this room are suffering with a little, probably a little bit of all three where we've honed in on, I am what people think of me, or I am what I have, or I am what I do. And to any degree that I've created a lifestyle, a behavior, the way that I think, the way that I manage my emotions, the way that I manage myself, that is based on those things, to that degree, I am, I am not being my true self as a son or a daughter before the Lord. I'm actually being this other thing. I'm being this false thing. I'm being this behavior so that I can be loved instead of knowing that I'm loved and then behaving. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't usually try to be funny to be accepted anymore because God has done a lot of work in me and I don't, I just don't, worry too much about that of like, oh gosh, I wonder what you think of me. Uh, Let me make you, I want to make you laugh and then you'll like me. Do I, am I tempted sometimes? Sure, of course I am, you know, but, but it's not core to my identity anymore that I, that I am, that I am who you think I am, right? That temptation doesn't have the power that it once did, but it still has power. I'm still being transformed by the renewing of my mind, So the invitation today here is, first of all, I I want you, I want to invite all of us um, to understand that we're all tempted to put on a false self. And in fact, in one degree or another, until we're born again and begin to embrace the process, you remember process, right? Isaiah 61 is a process. You begin to embrace the process of exchange, the process of becoming like Christ because he is gonna complete the good work that he began in us and he's finishing that good work. But that process involves us being willing to exchange this false self, these coping mechanisms, these behaviors where we do certain things and say certain things and try to find identity in other things and to whatever degree we're doing it, it's not actually true. And here's the thing that all of us have discovered Is that your false self doesn't get you actual comfort. Your false self is false and Jesus is reality. Let me unpack this for a minute. You and I are coming to know the truth and the truth sets us free. But every part of us that isn't actually true has to be exchanged for what's actually true in order for us to receive life in that place. I don't think I said that as well as I wanted to. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to invite us to follow Christ into the broken places into the broken places, the areas where our false self has been doing the job up until now and begin to follow Christ because he's right there in that place of pain and he wants to exchange what is false for what is true. He wants to invite you to come in and begin to realize, oh my goodness, I, I play act in this area. And, the, and, the, and here's, where, here's where the rubber meets the road. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack this just a little bit. But where the rubber meets the road is in those places of the false self. Your false self doesn't have real feelings. Your false self doesn't have real emotions. Your false self is what you inject when the emotions that you don't like come up. Ha, ah, let's use me. So for me, I don't like being rejected by other people. Third grade Josh. That's okay. I will just invent this super funny bulletproof Josh. That doesn't get hurt, he just turns it all around. What is my number one humor language and it's changing? Self-deprecation. Why is that? Cuz you're all throwing insults at me anyway. I'll just beat you to it. Instead of you kicking me, we'll all just laugh at me. I'm bulletproof. You can't cut me down, I already did it. Are you are you seeing that? And we all have our own version of those kinds of things. I'm the best athlete. I am what I do. I'm the best looking. I am what you think of me. I earn the most money. I am my possessions. Every one of them though is not you. And when the real you begins to call out because the real you knows that you need Jesus, that you need the Father's love and the affirmation of the Father, the real you is saying, hey, I want to have a conversation. There's a reason why we created this fake me. I'd like to talk about that. And we say, get behind me, Satan. I don't want to hear your little weak, whiny, crybaby, sad, naughty self. Get behind me. I'm going to go and I'm going to build another business. Or I'm going to go and I'm going to make people laugh. Or I'm going to go and I'm going to eat another sandwich or drink another pint. You see what I'm saying? You see, the place where Christ is inviting us into in this rebuilding this renewing this raising up is into the place of pain let me read you let me read you this sometimes i don't want to run towards god because he's standing right next to right in the midst of my pain i'm afraid of what i might find i'm afraid of losing myself Of learning that parts of what I believe and who I think I am might be exposed as false. And then what will I stand on? If I don't know what's false yet, then I can't know what to replace it with yet. And I'm terrified of losing control. Or if I'm honest with you, losing the illusion of being in control. He is the comforter. So he's right there in that place of pain. However, there are times I would rather be anywhere else and distracted by anything else, be it working for God or against. In those times, I want the pain to be dulled, but I am unwilling, be it for reasons of fear or lack of energy, to go near the source of the pain. Lord, grant me the grace and strength by your Spirit. Jesus has faced this, and he cried with tears and drops of sweat and blood, Father, is there any other way? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus invites us to go to that place of pain, to begin to listen to the call of your soul because your soul remembers where you created the false self. Your soul cries out to be healed by Jesus the Christ. Like the ten lepers, your soul knows that you are not yet whole. And your soul says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But until we learn to listen and allow our soul to cry out to the Lord and allow Him to begin to speak to that place, we will continue to silence those places with this false self and embrace these temptations to continue to try to prove to ourselves and others and even unto God on some level that I am what I do. That I am what others think of me. Or that I am what I possess. So the invitation in this season as we continue to move forward is this. Number one, Jesus already knows the places where you are completely broken. Jesus is already in the places of pain. It is you and I that are avoiding those places and trying to be anywhere else and we will do that in the name of God's work in the name of busyness entertainment anything to dull the pain until we recognize that we are willing to make an exchange that we're willing to embrace the process of meeting him in that place the invitation today is to begin to listen to your soul to begin to listen to the cry of your heart and it comes in depression in anxiety in frustration in proving yourself to others in working yourself to exhaustion in anger in lust There's all these things that start happening. And here's the invitation God is not surprised about these things. He's actually, in His goodness, allowing your soul to speak. And what He wants you to do is to say, Jesus, I know you're here with me. I know I have nothing to prove because you've proved it all. I know that you're there with me in every place. So, Jesus, where are you standing? And he's allowing you with the help of the Holy Spirit and others, and this is the journey that we're on, to become curious and say, Lord, why am I having this emotion or this temptation or this propensity or this sadness or this anger? None of those are yet sin." All of those are an invitation to have a conversation with the Lord and with some others in your life. Not to cut those things off, but to become curious and mindful and say, God, if you're there, then I want to know what is true. And I want you to allow me to exchange the things that are false for the things that are true. But it begins By allowing your soul to have a voice. Amen? That is all we have time for today. The prayer servant team is going to come forward. And if you'd like some prayer, we want you to come and be encouraged. If you've uh, you've never attended Restoration, Restoration Ministries is a great step in the midst of this to begin to be restored, to begin to give voice to your soul, to begin to go to those places of wounding and disappointment and discouragement and bondage. This is a great space. Many of us have gone through many, many steps and, and, and been released in freedom like never before as we've gone through restoration. So I encourage every single one of you, if you've never, if you've never been through that process, please come for your, for your own beautiful soul's sake. Come and be set free and take those steps on this journey as a part of your process in exchange. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. And may he give us all shalom that we would be full and present and whole with one another and with him, missing no part in his peace. Amen. Love you guys.